Hi everyone and welcome back to Professor Pastor Paul's Midweek Bible Festival Advent Edition. This week we're in the second week of Advent and our passage comes from the Gospel of Mark chapter 1 verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the throng of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. By the way, the word is thong of the sandals, not throng of the sandals. I did hear myself. So last week, friends, was the first week of Advent, and things got all nice and apocalyptic, if you recall. The heavens were torn open, the nations trembled, there was fear and foreboding and fainting, and seas roared, among other terribly exciting things. But this week, we move past all of that end-time stuff to the second week of Advent, and what do we find? Well, the Gospel of Mark plain and upfront. Mark tends to be plain and upfront. Mark gives us this. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This lays out simply and directly in true Mark fashion what he is writing about. Here, Mark hijacks, hijacks the title used by the emperor in Rome, Son of God. Everybody who heard this knew what Son of God meant. But he also uses, without ambiguity, the word Christ, which means anointed one or Messiah. So Jesus, Mark claims, is not only royalty, bringing with him all of, of the sort of, you know, destabilizing political implications of that label, but he is in fact, Jesus is in fact, the one on whom we have been waiting, the Messiah. Moving on, Mark launches his version of the Jesus story not with a census, not with shepherds and angels and donkeys, or with astrologers from the East, or with the Annunciation, or with any birth narrative whatsoever. All of that missing. He begins way out in the wilderness, where lots of good stuff happens, with John the Baptist, dressed in animal hair, eating locusts and wild honey, proclaiming something about a messenger. He begins with crazy old John in the desert, eating bugs, baptizing people in the Jordan, and quoting the prophet Isaiah. 
Except, John's not really quoting just the prophet Isaiah here. He says, John says that Isaiah says, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. But Isaiah 40.3 does not really say that. Isaiah 43 says, A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare a way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So Isaiah who John says he's quoting, says nothing about sending out a messenger, and it is not clear who this messenger even is. Is it John sent ahead of Jesus, or is it Jesus sent ahead of the people John is addressing? Well, I dug around a little bit, did a little research, and I discovered that John is actually uh, conflating three different passages. Three different passages from the Hebrew Bible, Three passages that his audience would certainly have known and recognized. The plot thickens, for each one of these passages has something to tell us about John's message. Three passages, all put together, coming out of John's mouth. First, there's Isaiah 40, verse 3. The passage just quoted, which is found among the opening words of so-called Second Isaiah, which comprises chapters 40 to 55. This large section of Isaiah is written for the Judean people late in the Babylonian exile and contains some of Isaiah's most lyrical poetry. The end of captivity is near, Isaiah claims, and deliverance is imminent. The Lord will soon demonstrate his power by returning Israel to their own country in a second exodus. More glorious even than the first, Despite present appearances, the Lord is nigh, and hope permeates Isaiah's message. So John's message, delivered though it is by a strange desert dweller with weird clothes and a primitive diet, resounds with glad tidings. The present darkness will soon fade. The light is coming. Proper Advent words. Second, John's words to the people evoke Exodus 20, I'm sorry, 23, verse 20, which reads, I am going to send an angel in front of you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. These words are spoken by Yahweh to Moses atop Sinai, way back then, and, and precede a promise of the conquest of Canaan, promised land, moving to a new land. So the Lord here is speaking Again, words of assurance to Israel in the midst of the wilderness, where Sinai was, promising that the divine presence will not leave them as they face the future, which is full of promise. Similarly, John's evocation of these words serves to promise the people he's speaking to, who have, in fact, at that moment, entered the wilderness in order to hear John preach, that Yahweh will be with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Like the Isaiah passage, this is a word of comfort. But here, comfort comes from nothing less than the very presence of God. Third and finally, John's words resonate with Malachi 3.1, which is also on the agenda for, for in the lectionary this week. 
which reads, Malachi 3.1 reads, See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. That's Malachi. Malachi writes these words after the return to Canaan from exile. And here we find not only the theme of the messenger and of comfort, but also of God's presence in the temple. A matter of great urgency to the prophet, the people, and to the Lord at that time. So John's audience is reminded of the temple in Jerusalem where Yahweh dwells. So much in these words of John. The audience is reminded of the temple in Jerusalem in which Yahweh dwells. We will return to this point about the temple momentarily, so pigeonhole it. Hold on to it for a second. We'll come back to it. So John here in this short opening passage from Mark brings together three passages from the Old Testament and each one carries the theme of exodus, of deliverance out of bondage into a new and good land, of a return to the land of promise. And so in John's words, we hear multiple echoes of that foundational story, the exodus, all the way to the construction of the temple and of Yahweh's residence there. And it is certain that the people hear it in all of this. They hear all of this when John speaks these words. And when people read the book, the Gospel of Mark, they heard all of this as well. On top of all that, John's reference to the wilderness, which he spoke in the wilderness, further brings the exodus to the minds of his hearers and readers. All of it, from the escape to Egypt to the entrance to Canaan, across the very river in which we find John standing, took place where? In the wilderness. So what John is talking about here is a renewed covenant, a deliverance out of the wilderness in the presence of God. When I was in seminary, I had an Old Testament professor, Brent Strawn, who delivered a lecture I will never forget. Actually, that's not quite right. I have, in fact, forgotten the details, but I remember the premise of the lecture. His lecture was, was based on the premise that the whole of the good news, that is the gospel, is contained within the Exodus story. Pardon me, within the Old Testament. I also remember that his argument centered on the Exodus story, freedom from bondage, through wilderness to a good and broad land prepared by Yahweh for those who would hear and obey, make a way in the wilderness. So John is proclaiming on multiple levels a new exodus, and just as in the Old Testament exodus, a covenant is involved here. Upon Sinai, Moses made a covenant on behalf of Israel, and that covenant was sealed by the giving of the law. Here, John the Baptist is proclaiming a new, or should I say, renewed covenant with Israel. This new covenant is sealed by baptism for those ready to change their ways. A sign of forgiveness for those who have broken the old covenant laws. A sign of forgiveness for the collective, the whole of Israel. So people, lots of them too, it seems, a whole lot of them have come from all over Judea and particularly from Jerusalem to hear John and to be baptized. They want a part of this covenant. They come and they confess. 
Why? Because confession purifies. Confession purges. It cleanses. It cleanses the temple of the heart, so to speak. Confession cleanses the temple of the heart. Malachi, remember him just a moment ago? Wrote of God's arrival in the Jerusalem temple. And John speaks of the arrival of Christ and of our preparation for the Holy Spirit. Our interior temples must be clean. We must be baptized in the water for the forgiveness of sin in order to be ready for this new thing to arrive. What is this new thing? Well, John says it is more powerful than he himself. This person coming is more powerful than John the Baptist. The heart must be ready for the one whose sandals John is not worthy to untie. So hear this Advent message, friends. We are all of us today in the wilderness seeking a good land, a home, a place of rest. Our Advent journey is not taken alone. We are together and God will soon be with us. That is the theme of Advent, of course. God with us. Meanwhile, the temple of your heart, of my heart, of our hearts, of our collective hearts, must be clean and free of clutter and noise. This is the Advent project. Waiting, water, repentance, forgiveness of sins. May each one of us clean the temples of our heart and open their doors wide so that Jesus, when Jesus arrives, will find a home there. Amen. I'll see you next week, friends.